0: preaching without Bibles. I almost just became one of them. Um, Anyhow, good morning. morning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, as from Genesis 1-1. As you're well aware, we just went through the entirety of Scripture in a very broad stroke, um, and we are now on to a new series, which I'll go ahead and show my cards Um, I am pulling from the Confession of Faith in a Mennonite perspective, Uh, although I'm not following that exactly. um, I am going topic by topic through the Confession of Faith in a Mennonite perspective, Um, which I have the books if you want to read them. You probably have the books as well. Uh, (laughs) But um, the first three were uh, God... Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, which we did on the same Sunday because it's the Godhead, the three in one. We did all those on the same Sunday. And then Article 4 is Scripture, which was last week. I talked about Scripture. Article 5 is creation. God created. So that's where I'm at today. And if you want to know what's next week, again, the books are in my office. You can look on our website, follow the link to the Confession of Faith in a Mennonite perspective. Did you know we have a website? Just throwing that out there. We do actually have a website, Valley View Mennonite Church, I think, (laughs) Mennonite.org. Anyhow, we're starting in Genesis 1. It's very hard to start at the beginning of anything without quoting Julia Andrews. Let's start at the beginning, a very good place to start. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I'm going to pause for just a moment. You may not be aware of this, but there are seven different interpretations of the beginning of Genesis among Bible-believing Christians. I'm not going to focus on those finer points. I'm not going to focus on giving us more fuel to argue about things that we can't know for certain. What I do know is I believe these to be the very words of God. This is what God wanted us to hear. It's the words God gave us to know. So I'm going to know them. I'm going to hear them. I'm going to reflect on them. and I'm going to impress them upon my children. Right? So, again, there are seven different interpretations of the beginning of Genesis among Bible-believing Christians. You're going to read it and you're going to be like, well, that's plain as day. Someone else thinks that too, and they are not thinking what you're thinking. But can I tell you what we all want to think, what we all need to believe? Are you ready for it? In the beginning, God. And I'm going to take it a step further because I believe this is is important as well. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Who can affirm that today? By show of hands, who can affirm that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth? Well, amen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God, whose thoughts are higher than my thoughts and ways are higher than my ways, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, what I believe at this point, are these are the words that God gave to Moses to tell to us. So, now I continue with the very words of God The earth was without form and void, and the darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. That's a word we don't hear much anymore is firmament. We can talk about that later if you want to. Just If you want to have a firmament discussion, I'm loaded for it. I'm ready. But I don't want to waste our time together now. But if you want to talk firmament, I'm your firmament guy. All right. And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and morning were the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and he gathered together the waters and he called them seas and saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herb that yields seed and the fruit of the tree that yields fruit according to its kind. Those seeds is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and the herb and the yield and yielded seeds according to its kind and the tree that yields fruit and whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and morning were the third day. Do you get a a trend that I'm, I'm saying here? God created these things according to their kind, and they were good. These are the words that God gave to us to read. God made them intentionally, and they were good. Who can affirm that with me this morning? That however God did it, God made them. God, who is in control, created, and it was good. Nobody? Okay, I got some of you. All right. (laughs) Others of you are thinking about your checkbook or what you left undone, and I love you anyway, but... God created, and it was good. We can talk about the finer importance of methodology and timeline, and, well, maybe it means this, and maybe it means that. I don't want to have that conversation. I do want to talk about the firmament because it's cool. But I don't want to have that conversation anymore. I've been having that conversation for like 10 years. I'm so tired of that conversation. What I want to talk about is God created these things, and they were good, and he made them intentionally, and my God does not make mistakes, and my God does not have plan Bs. And it was good. I have a hard time understanding why God would make mosquitoes, but it was good. Were they a result of the fall? I would like to say so. Can I prove that? Absolutely not. And they were good. I don't know what they're good for, but they were good. (laughs) Anyway. (sighs) Ah. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day and the night. And let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of heaven to give light on the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And he made the stars also. And I I obsess about this for cotillion stars. That is the estimate we have, because you can't count them. Cotillion is 24 zeros. If you counted one per second for thousands of years, you might get there. Four cotillion stars is the estimate. All of which purposefully made, and for a reason. A reason that is beyond me. Four cotillion. Goodness. Anyway, sorry. And God said, oh, excuse me. And so there was evening and morning and there the fourth day. And God said, let the waters abound with abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament in the heavens. And so God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abound according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters of the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. So every living, so every, excuse me, so the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures according to their kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God said that it was good. And God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God. He created them male and female. He created them. Did we just hear that in God's own image? He created them. We are to reflect the image of God. We also have a very Trinitarian moment where God says, let us make man in our image. Now, if you're of the same like mindedness as I am, where you believe God, the son, God, the father and God, the Holy Spirit living together. As one God and three separate persons, it makes perfect sense when God says, let us make man in our image. Human beings have multiple parts to them. We have this, these other things going on. We have the physical, we have the spiritual, we have the mental, and it's all swirling about. It's almost like we are have a multiplicity to us. Is that what God means when let's, let us make man in our image? Maybe. Maybe. And I brought this up in Sunday school. From the very beginning, man is creative. We are creative. And that is in the image of God. God creates. God created. God made us creative. God cares for his creatures. And if you notice, the first thing God tells us to do is to have dominion over the plants and the animals. Having dominion doesn't mean to suppress and to cut down and to abuse. Having dominion means to care for, to cultivate, to make better, to, give, to help sustain Right? Being above someone doesn't make you more important necessarily. Being above something gives you a purpose. God created us to be above the animals. He values us above the animals, but it doesn't mean we're supposed to go out and slaughter all the animals for fun. It means we're supposed to care for them. We're supposed to master over them. Same with the plants. It doesn't mean we should clear cut every forest because we are above creation. That's actually really bad stewardship. Can I also say trees are a renewable resource? I I mean, I kind of want to buck against that whole thing I heard all through elementary school about how bad, like, lumber industry is or whatever. Um, Because we really got bombarded with a lot of save the earth message and how, you know, cutting trees down is horrible and don't cut down trees and blah, 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 blah. Trees grow. Did you know that they're a renewable resource? If you're worried about it, plant a tree. They grow. If you want to see that forest that my parents have going on in in their yard, I planted a lot of those when I was a kid. Not necessarily by will, but I planted a lot of those. And they're big trees now. Trees are renewable. If you're worried about it, plant some trees. Okay, that is a side note, of course, but that's also part of stewardship. If you see a problem, well, fix it. I'm not saying go clear-cut the rainforest and plant pine. There's an appropriate way to do this, right? But anyway, good stewardship. Um, And I believe that that reflects God's image as well, as wanting to care for the world around us. I think some of us go a little bit wonky with it, but wanting to care for other people is part of what makes us made in the image of God, whether we understand that calling or not. Wanting to take care of the planet is Part of being made in the image of God, although, again, I think people go a little wonky with it. But all of that is a reflection of who God made us to be. We see this in creation itself is that God cares for his creation. He calls it good. He spoke all of creation into existence, yet he took the time to make us. As you get into... Actually, we'll get into that a little bit next week. I don't want to overdo that point this week. but Okay, I'm going to skip down to verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and morning were the sixth day. What I want us to pull from this, and again... I will tell you what I think without wanting to argue. I don't want to play the game where you try to convince me otherwise. It's fine. The important things to pull away from this is that God created the heavens and the earth, and it was good. And he made man in his image, and we reflect the image of God. And God looked at all of this, and he said it was very good. I'll go ahead and tell you, I'm actually, I'm a young earth creationist. It is easier for me to believe that God miraculously created all these things in six literal days. That is one of the seven ways to interpret this. And I'll say, that's how I interpret this. It's easier for me to believe that. God said it. God wanted me to read that. Okay? It's easier for me to believe that. You're saved by faith. You're saved by grace through faith right not in a literal 24 hour creation but in Jesus Christ okay right can we agree on that you're saved through the shed blood of Jesus Christ through faith you're saved by grace by grace alone through faith alone Christ alone which we can know through scripture alone for the glory of God alone okay Not trying to start an argument one way or the other. I just, if you're curious what I think, that's what I think. That's what I believe. I'm going to jump ahead to John 1. There's so much good stuff in Scripture that we can fight about. Have you ever noticed that? So much good stuff that we can fight about. But let's not fight, let's process, let's discuss. Let's encourage each other to the things that matter most, okay? I'm at John 1. And you're going to get that feeling when you read John 1 after Genesis 1 of, whoa, I've heard this before. Indeed you have. I used to watch a lot of movies, and I would watch the special features on the DVD too because I wanted to hear the director talk about the filmmaking aspect of it. And this reminds me of those, those commentaries where they're talking about using a main camera to show you something, and then they switch cameras where they're showing you the same thing, but you're getting more of the room, right? And it adds a dynamic. I almost get that same sensation when I read Genesis 1 and then I go to John 1, where you're seeing the same idea, but through a totally different lens from a different view, but it's really telling you the same thing. Now, if that image helped you, great. If you're judging me for being the nerd that used to watch the special features, I'm okay with that too. It's true. I did. All right. Anyway, are you ready? John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I like that verse so much, I'm going to read it again. In the beginning was the Word... And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So the first couple of verses that we have there, the first three verses very much go back to Genesis 1. And what are they telling us very clearly? That when God created, the word was with God and the word was God. Who is the word? The word that goes on and tells us that. The word is Jesus and Jesus was with God in the beginning and he was God in the beginning. Boy, it got quiet in here. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness to the light and all through him might believe. That all through him might believe. He was not the light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, and those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God." There is so much in John 1. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You see what just got established here? We went back to the very beginning and we said God created. And the word was with God and the word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made and without him nothing was made that was made. Right? We go back and we establish this. And then we continue on. We tell John was not that light. But he gave evidence to that light. And now we're at verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelled among us. That word that was in the beginning and created all things became flesh and dwelled among us. And we beheld his glory and the glory of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness to him and cried out, saying, this is he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And his fullness we have all received, and and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in his bosom of the Father, he has declared him. I, I do what we all do when we, we make divisions of God, and perhaps we should, where we sometimes feel like God and, and Jesus are separate to such an extreme that God is out to get you and Jesus is saving you from God. Have any of you bought that or accidentally thought that? Where God was out to get you, He's out to get you, and Jesus was going to save you from his angry father. That's actually not what scripture teaches us. That's something we can pick up by not reading it for ourselves and listening to people speak. They might even be speaking truth, but you're not getting the whole story. Perhaps we shouldn't be cliff-noting something so important. Jesus was with God in the beginning. He created in the beginning. And He came and dwelt among us, and He redeems us. He restores our relationship with God, God the Father. Hmm. There's a lot to consider in these scriptures. But in John 1, when we look at how God created, We shouldn't separate the Son from creation because John places him right there. Right there. And in fact, Genesis 1 also places him right there. Let us create man in our image. And this may almost seem off topic, but I'm going to flip ahead to Ephesians 3. For those of you that are still turning with me, (laughs) I'm in Ephesians 3. Hmm. Okay, so I'm going to start at verse 8. The purpose of the mystery is what it's talking about. Chapter 3 starts with a mystery revealed. And that mystery, of course, perhaps I should go to the beginning. I'm going to go to the beginning, but my focus is actually on verse 8. But for the sake of context... For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. I love that he calls himself a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Why is he a prisoner? Because of the gospel of Christ Jesus, yes, but he's not, he calls himself a prisoner of Christ Jesus, not a prisoner of Romans, not a prisoner of Rome. I think that's a very interesting way of looking at it. He's a prisoner of Christ Jesus. For you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to you, to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partake of his promise in Christ through the gospel of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace of God, which, which, excuse me, grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power, Okay, that's the part I wasn't going to read. Here we go. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. That was actually the phrase that kind of ties Genesis 1 and John 1. That reflects both of those things, who created all things through Jesus Christ. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be known by the church to the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. So, what I am pulling out of this that I want to present to you. Is we have boldness and access to God through Christ because of what he has done. This God who created all things. My focus for today, the the primary focus, what I was looking at is that God created all things. That's what I want us to have. The big big, uh, focus, I suppose, if I was making a bolded statement and putting that at the top of the page, it would be, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Just like it says on the front of your bulletin, right? In the beginning, God. And then under that, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And through Christ, we are restored to the Father. Through Christ, we have access to the Father, For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to his riches and glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man. There we're reflecting the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So we've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all in Ephesians 3. Did you catch that? That Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. If you were looking for scriptural justification for asking Jesus into your heart, which is something traditionally we do often as children, as God tells us, or Jesus tells us, abide in me and I will abide in you. And then Paul tells us in Ephesians that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Just in case you were ever curious where that sinner's prayer comes from. And I think it's a great practice asking Jesus into your heart. I think it's a great practice. I do. Turn to Jesus. Yes. Ask for forgiveness of your sins. Turn from your sins. Follow Christ. Abide in him and he will abide in you. That is the point of that prayer. That's what it's supposed to point to. That prayer is extra biblical. I think it's sound. I think it's beautiful. You will not find it in scripture directly. You will find it uh, implied in scripture, but you won't find it in scripture unless someone pasted it in the back. Hmm. Being rooted and grounded in love They'll know we're Christians by our love, not because we're always right, but by our love. May it be abound or may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Again, my point was just to go through Genesis 1 and say God created the heavens and the earth and then logically to go to John 1 and say in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Ephesians 3 just kind of tacked itself on as I was thinking. If you feel like I I pushed it in and it didn't fit very well, well, that's how my mind works. And hopefully that was for someone this morning and not just to ease that tension I get when I'm trying to make things happen. But it seems like a waste of a Sunday morning where I get to stand up here if I don't tell you about Jesus, right? Would, would you agree that would be a waste of my time to not tell you about Jesus on a Sunday morning when you all came here and you look so pretty? Wouldn't it be a shame for me not to tell you what Jesus has done for you? Wouldn't it be a shame if I didn't encourage you to embrace the gift that Jesus has given you simply by asking for forgiveness and turning from your sins and embracing what Christ has already done. Because there's an old hymn that tells us that Jesus paid it all, and I believe that. There's another old hymn that says we have blessed assurance that Jesus is mine. I also believe that. Because I think they reflect the teachings of Scripture as I understand them. I also felt it was appropriate to tell you that my take on a more literal reading of Scripture, not because you have to have one, but because I find that that's what my faith draws me to. What I want us to agree on together and to always agree on together is that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The word became flesh and he dwelled among us and he restored us to the father. Can we all agree on that? And can that lead us forward? Can they know that we're Christians by our love? Can we be of one mind in these things that matter most? Because scripture encourages us to be of one mind. And there's so many things that we're going to not agree on. Even about the things we agree on. There's a lot of old sayings like we couldn't see the forest for the trees. And that seems to be my Christian experience much of the time. And as Rob found with some local ministers, the further you get away from Jesus, the more there is to fight about. But if we compare this down to very fundamentals of Christianity, very fundamentals of what we can affirm together as a body and we cling to those and we love each other and we love the people that come in and we love the people that are visiting and we love the people that hang those stupid, obscene signs across from our parking lot. If we just love these people as Christ loved us, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Can we affirm that? Can we acknowledge that? Can we do that? That would be amazing. That would be being church. Anyway, that's all I have for you today. If you can do so without pain, will you stand with me? Father God, I thank you for the very words of God that you have given us in your scriptures, Lord. I thank you for what you've decided to teach us. Lord, above all, I thank you for the gift that you've given us in Jesus Christ and in an indwelling Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you for the mystery that I struggle to comprehend. Father, I thank you for the little glimpses that you give us, for the faith that you give us, and for the love that you give us, and the love for one another. Father, I pray that you would help us to grow as a community, a community of believers loves you and who loves one another. I thank you for creation, Lord, and I thank you that it is still good in spite of our best efforts. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can be seated. At this time, uh, we have our time of announcements and prayer and sharing, which will be led by Don ash